0: the God who was we worship the God who is we worship the God who evermore will be he opened the prison door
1: Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Wonderful. I want to welcome you to East Hills of Baptist Church this morning. Whether you're here live or watching on uh, Facebook or maybe next week as you're watching through the week when you go on our website, we want to welcome you to East Hills of Baptist Church. It's FBS week. I'm so excited. This is one of the greatest weeks uh, of the year for our church. I want to thank all those who are volunteer at our prayer time this morning. The first prayer time that we have this morning, we're going to ask all our volunteers to come forward and we're going to commission you as our missionaries this week. Thank you so much. Twenty-five percent of all the baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention every year come from VBS. It's very important. We set aside between $9,000 and $13,000 for VBS. That's how important it is for us, okay? I want to thank Justin for his leadership, everyone who, who takes part this week. The decorations, aren't they awesome? This is all about kids. They're going to hear, listen, for five days, they're going to be focused on Jesus, celebrating God's greatness. So thank you so much for... Those of you who volunteer, we can't do it without you. Thank you for those that will be praying. Uh, we're just praying that God saves a bunch of people this year. Amen. That's what we're praying for. If you're a visitor to East Coast Baptist Church, you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd be interested in church membership, uh, inside your bulletin there's a care card. Fill that out and put it back there in the baskets where we take up the offering so that we could have a record of that. We'd really appreciate it. I also want to mention that next Sunday our services will be in the sanctuary. And also, we'll be voting on our deacons for the upcoming church year. and Their names are in the bulletin uh, if you'd like to read that. But just want to encourage you next week to remember that our uh, services will be in the sanctuary. Also, in the next week or two, our 2022-2023 20, uh, church budget will be out. And you can look at those. And then two weeks prior to our business meeting, which is the last Sunday in August, you'll be able to talk to our budget finance committee. If you have any questions, you can call me anytime, and we'll answer any questions that you have. will want you stand with us with a smile on your face. And welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning. Man, well as I mentioned before we're going to use this time this time now to pray for our VBS workers and volunteers and at the end of the service is when we're going to do our normal altar call I'm going to be preaching on storms this morning and hopefully you'll respond to that but if you're doing anything at all this week for VBS I'm going to ask you to come up here and meet me at the altar and we're going to pray over you we're going to commission you this morning as our missionaries for the week and I'm so thankful for what you're doing uh, this week you are missionaries as you're as they're coming I'll, I' I one of the guys who, uh, I, I'm, I'm a commentary reader. I love commentaries and love reading systematic theology. And one of the guys I read after, he said, this was his testimony. I want you to hear this. Y'all come on forward. It's, it's fine. He said that uh, his dad and mom were not religious people. They weren't atheists. They were agnostic. He said his favorite uncle was an atheist, right? Had no religious upbringing at all. But he said in his community, a, a little small church Would come to his door and say, can we take your son to Sunday school? And they did. For eight years, he went to Sunday school. He said, over 400 times, that little bus come picked him up. And he said, for 400 Sundays, I was lost. But he said, on the 401st Sunday, God saved me. He said, I'm so thankful that that bus didn't stop on 398. So what you're doing, I'm praying that this week is somebody's 401st Sunday, amen some little kid's going to know Jesus this week because of you and I'm so thankful for your, your willingness to serve, you didn't have to you're going to get home at 9 and 9.30 every night this week but it's okay, I pray God will give you strength and energy, it's going to be worth it amen, we're going to tell people about Jesus, celebrate God's greatness and also have a lot of fun I'm going to ask Mark if he will to pray for us during this time
2: Join me in prayer. Father, I pray you'd go before us. I pray you'd prepare our hearts. Lord, as we reach out, Lord, to young people, young people who don't know you. They don't know the love of God and the forgiveness of sin. And Father, I pray you'd go before us and, God, that you'd prepare their heart. Lord, I pray you'd speak to them. I pray you'd draw them with your Holy Spirit this week. Lord, through the crafts, Lord, through everything that we do this week, Lord, through the times that we're here singing and rejoicing, I pray you'd speak to their heart. I pray you'd open up their heart, and, Father, I pray you'd come into their life and be their Lord and Savior. And, Father, we'll praise you and thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy that is everlasting. And, Father, we pray for that this week. Father, we pray for divine grace and protection. Lord, as we come on this campus throughout the week, and God, I pray you'd use us for your honor and for your glory and for the furtherment of your kingdom, that the advancement of the gospel might go forth and people might be born again. Father, would you pour out your spirit on each worker? Lord, this week, give them strength. Lord, when they've had a long day and they have to come in church in the afternoon, God, I just pray you'd give them strength. And Lord, this I pray you'd just pour out Jesus in them, through them. Father, that others might know you. And Father, we love you because you first loved us. Help us to share that great news this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: out a hand clap of praise. Thank you so much for what you're doing for us this week. God bless you.
0: Can you. you may be
3: seated?
1: Thank you, Kayla. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 35 through 41. It's not Tracy's fault, the, uh, the scripture in a bulletin, that's mine. I gave her the wrong chapter, but it's okay. If you will, stand with me, Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through 41. Uh, when we think about storms, okay, we're going to be talking about storms. Why do I go through a storm? And, and you may say, why do you personalize it? Because you're going to go through one. You are. Some of you have been through them. You're never the same after a storm. Now, I want you to hear this if you go through a good one. You personally, as a person, will never be the same after the storm. You'll either be closer and more like Jesus, or you'll be further away and you may not even know Jesus, right? See, storms test us, don't they? They test our faith. They test our prayer life. Storms will test your salvation. We'll see that in these sections of scriptures. Storms can be one of the scariest, but one of the greatest blessings you'll ever go through. Or it can be one of the worst things you ever went through. A lot of it depends on who is, who is your savior. Who is the captain of your ship? Notice what the Bible says here in verse 35. On the same day. Now you think about that. If you go to, I think, verse 30 of chapter 3 all the way to verse 35 of chapter 4, that's the same day. Scholars say it's probably the busiest day in Jesus' life that's recorded. That's why he goes to sleep, all right? Look, on the same day when evening had come, which means it's getting near dark, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. If you notice that word great in the Greek, that means it's a bad storm almost hurricane-like weather on the Sea of Galilee but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and they said to him notice how they address him teacher see how you address Jesus in your storm determines what you think of him how you address Jesus during the storms of life will determine what you think of Jesus now he's either Lord to you or he's your teacher right at this moment he's their teacher they're gonna find out different but he was in the stern asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said teacher do you not care that we're perishing that word means we're going to be destroyed we're going to drown and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm but he said to them why are you so fearful how is it that you have no faith and they feared exceedingly and said to one another who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him. Notice the word there, feared exceedingly. They were more afraid of Jesus in the boat than the storm on the outside of the boat. And we'll explain why here in just a moment. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, in this congregation this morning, there are people going through the storm. And Father, I pray, I pray, Lord, as as I always do, that you'd calm the storm. I pray that the storm would cease And be a short storm. But Lord, we know sometimes that's not true. Lord, this storm was dark. And Father, some people are walking through a dark valley. And Jesus, I pray that you would allow them to sense your presence and experience your power. Lord, you're so compassionate to the disciples when you respond to them. And Father, I pray that you'd be that for your people. I'm reminded that Peter, who was in the boat later in life, would say, Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. What a difference you made in his life. And part of it was not just not just the cross and the resurrection, but Lord, I think a lot of it had to do with this storm. Father, help us to allow the storms of our lives to conform us into your image and trust you through it all. And we'll forever thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, Amen. Well Jesus made you maybe seated, Jesus made this statement. He said, He makes it, talking about the Lord, makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He also made this statement, In the world you will have tribulation, all of us. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Peter writing to his congregation that was scattered all over Turkey, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. He says, we all go through it. Remember, Peter was in the boat. And he writes this later. J.C. Ryle said this, God has not promised us smooth waters. He said, if you're a believer, you must reckon on having your share of sickness and pain, of sorrow and tears, of losses and crosses, of deaths and bereavements, of partings and separations, of vexations and disappointments. So long as you're in the body, he he has never undertaken that he will make them prosperous, rich or healthy, and that death shall never come to their family. We are living in the world. Amen. We are living in the world. Notice some things about storms. Storms test us. Storms will test your faith or our faith. Storms are a test. This for the disciples. Now, if you read chapter 4 and parts of chapter 3, they have watched Jesus do some miraculous things. They have heard some of the best teaching that they've ever heard in their lives. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen Jesus, heard Jesus speak in parables. And then to them, he explained the parables. So they understood, had the best teaching, saw it. But still, it hadn't grasped their mind, and Jesus says, you need a test. I remember when I was in high school, one of the things that scared me the most was my senior year, and I've shared this with you before, but I took advanced math. Okay? Probably one of the worst decisions of my life was taking advanced math. It was just so bad. I remember I would get in the class, and Miss Rufty would say this, pencil, paper, question number one. That meant it was a pop test. And I remember just being so afraid. It's almost like I saw a cat or something. You know how you are when you see cats? You get so scared. And she would say that. And then I knew that was, what she was doing is she was trying to test what I knew about that week. Okay, And most of the time I knew very little. Jesus sends this storm. See, there's no possibility to study for a pop quiz, is it? Too late. It's too late. I used to think I could take out my math book and just get a glimpse and pass the test. don't happen. No. It didn't happen that way. And see, a storm sometimes is a pop quiz in your life. Jesus is testing his disciples. And their grade is going to be based entirely on whether or not they've been listening in class. One scholar said this. This day started back in Mark 3:20, where he had a confrontation with some Pharisees who said that Jesus was possessed by the devil. They said, what? The miracles you're doing are from Satan, not from God. They heard that. Then Jesus' brothers came to him and tried to take him away because they thought he had lost his mind. They had saw that. He said, go on. Then Jesus spent the rest of the day teaching. He taught the crowds in parables and explained them to the disciples. The entire, uh, entirety of chapter 4 of Mark's gospel has been nothing more than the repetition of facts. Jesus was a teacher, of course, and they were learning. Jesus had been teaching them parables, and he, said, he would say this, Have you been listening? If you have ears to hear, Listen. If you have ears to hear me, I know you're hearing me, but are you listening? And they would probably have said yes, and then a storm came. They didn't listen too well. A storm came and it changed everything. But Notice verse 35 on the screen. See, this is what storms will test us. On the same day, when evening come, he said to them, Let us cross over, over to the other side. If Jesus says you're going to the other side, guess where you're going? The other side. If Jesus says you're going to the other side and a hurricane comes and you're in a boat, guess where you're going? The other side. If Jesus says you're going to make it to the other side and all the water dries up, guess somehow, guess what? You're going to the other side. And when Jesus told the disciples before they got in the boat, we're going to the other side, the storm came and guess what? They didn't believe him. I find that often people get this storm theology when things happen. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible and one storm can wipe them all from our minds, can't it? Listen, if a storm comes, this is still true. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Still true. If a storm comes to your life today, this is still true. I will never leave you, God says, nor forsake you. Still true. This is still true. If you're going through a storm, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those it's still true, okay? It's still true. If a storm comes your way, or you're going through a storm, His grace is still sufficient. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God's Word? Well, a storm in a storm you'll find out. I've seen a whole bunch of people that can sing in church. They can cry tears. They can come to the altar. They can teach Sunday school class. If you let a storm come, and all that can be wiped out in a moment. I ain't being arrogant about it either. I'm just telling you, I've seen it. Then I've seen some people, and I'm like, how do you go on with your life? All this happened. I've said this to our staff. I can't. I don't know what, this, what else this family can take. Still here. Still loving Jesus. Still serving. What a difference Jesus makes in the storm, amen? Do you believe in God's promises? They did when they got in the boat. but when the storm came, they stopped believing in this. We're going to make it to the other side? Really? Jesus is asleep. We're about to die. They didn't believe it. It's amazing how one storm can wipe out all of God's promises. Notice the storm happened suddenly. Verse 37, the Bible makes the statement. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. Look at the word boat. One archaeologist found parts of a boat. And this is something similar to what Jesus would have been on. If you'll show this picture of this boat. Not the actual boat, but similar to what they would have been on. Okay, this is a recreation of an actual first century boat. Typically, these boats had a sail, if you'll see it, and they also had oars. Okay, if the wind was blowing just right, you didn't have to oar. See, there's another storm these guys get into later, and the Bible says they were straining at rowing. They were rowing against the storm. The Bible says it's at the breaking point. They couldn't row no more. In this one, they have the sail out because it's calm, and they're just going across the sea. It was so calm. One one, uh, scholar says, if you study how it was written, they were just enjoying a nice, peaceful day, and then suddenly, suddenly, here comes the wind. John MacArthur says he's been on the Sea of Galilee. If you'll notice this picture up on the screen, this is it, isn't it beautiful? But you see the mountains around the sea? This is actually a lake. It's the lowest setting freshwater lake in the world. And because of the mountains around it, the, the lake sets so low, it's hot hot air, and then out from the mountains comes the cold air. I heard John MacArthur say he was on, the, on a boat one time going across, and he said just so quickly, so much like you can see the wind, it just changes so quickly. And he said that, that day that they had to get back because the waves got pretty high, but he said if you study how this storm is mentioned, the waves got really high. One person made this statement. He said the Sea of Galilee is somewhat a small body of water, about 13 miles wide, 7 miles across, and 150 feet deep, what makes it unusual and sometimes dangerous is that it's about 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And he says, when that warm air over the lake and the cold air that comes over the tops of the mountains and down into the lake, when that cold air and warm air mix, you get storms. John MacArthur said, scientists have done research on this lake through the years to study it. It's, it is different than any of the, all, all other bodies of water in the world, and what particularly makes it unique is the fact that it's subject to very, very severe winds. And he said this, it couldn't have been a better place for the Lord to demonstrate His power over nature, and that's exactly what he does. He says, Luke tells us they were just sailing along, and he says he uses a very specific verb, because this story is in Mark, Luke, and Matthew's Gospel. And he says this, that it's just a calm wind, just a normal day. Just a relaxing day on the lake. One of the most beautiful lakes in the world. And then suddenly it changes. Isn't it amazing how one phone call can change your life? One phone call can change your life. Oh, I've been with people in the hospital room more than one time. And the doctor walks in. And he says, i got some bad news. Been there many times. Things are fine. Surgery went well. Blood work looked good and then all of a sudden something changes. Life has changed forever. Forever. Sailing alone in life. Alone. Things are so good. Then all of a sudden you hear the wind blowing. Gosh. Your life's changed forever. They were just sailing. I love how Luke put it. They were just sailing alone. And then the Bible says in verse 37 this fierce wind came. That word fierce it means that this it means a mega fierce gale. Somebody said that it's It's almost where you get the word earthquake, cyclone, hurricane. And then Matthew adds this, it's getting dark. Man, nothing worse than a storm at night, is there? There's nothing worse than that. Storms will test your faith. Storms also test our prayer life. Notice what the Bible says. Now notice how they prayed. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat up on the boat, so that it was already filling the boat. See, the time to pray is when you hear the wind, right? They wait till they're about to go under. And they awoke him and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? See, they're making their petition. Jesus, do you not care? Jesus is asleep. If you study Luke's uh, um, explanation of this, of this story, he indicates that as soon as Jesus lay down, he went to sleep. That shows his humanity. Then he gets up and he shows his deity and he calms the storm. But he, right now he's sleeping and they wake him up and say, Do you not care that we. He says, You're gonna die with us. See, they had the wrong view of who Jesus was at this moment in their life. But they pray and they wait till they, they wait until the last moment to pray. Do you, do you realize how important prayer is in your life? I'm amazed at the number of people who wait till the very end to pray. It's almost like whenever somebody's lost in your family and you wait till they're on their deathbed to share Jesus with them. Why wait that long? Don't wait until then when they're medicated and we don't know if they understand what we're saying to them, don't wait till then. Don't wait to pray when, before until the storm comes. One, one person made this statement, Daniel Henderson, he said this, prayerlessness is my declaration of my independence from God. See, they were trying to handle this storm themselves. They were fishermen. What they were really saying up to this point is, God, I don't really need you. I can handle this on my own. It's like the psalmist said, he said, some trust in chariots... And some trust in horses. But we are going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. There's a lot of chariots in America today that people are trusting in. See, the disciples are trusting in their great sailing skills. And they found out they didn't have none when it came to the storm. Why do you wait to pray? When Samuel Chadwick said this, One concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies. Prayerless work and prayerless religion, he laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Isn't it amazing? I'm going to give a, I'm, gonna, I'm preaching on storms, I'm going to give an invitation, and some of you won't even come down because you're too proud. You won't come down to the altar because you're too proud. And you know what Satan says? <laughs> stay in your seat, stay there, handle it yourself. Be like these disciples. Wait till the water's up to here, and then say, Jesus, can you help me out? Wait till then. You know why? Because you're going to be tempted to say, I can handle this on my own and you can't. Do you not care that we're about to go to the bottom of the sea? One of the greatest fears of a Jew was drowning. And here they are about to drown. One of the worst possible deaths they could think of in a storm at night. And then finally, after the water is filling up and they can't do anything else, they say, hey Jesus, how about you waking up? Sounds like Baptist, don't it? Sounds just like us. The final thing is this, storms test our salvation. They said, teacher, is that you? Notice the verse on the screen. Then he arose and Jesus just rebuked the wind like that. Look, when Jesus Jesus heals, he heals. Jesus don't heal over a month. Jesus don't heal over time, Jesus heals. Whenever he rebuked the wind, if you'll study uh, Matthew and Luke's gospel, it means that just right then the wind was calm, like that he rebuked it calm it's like Jesus was talking to a person that's why some scholars believe there was something demonic behind this storm because the same thing Jesus said to the the demons he said be muzzled was the Greek word that's what he says to the storm now we don't know maybe it's just a storm we know God allowed it even if Satan was behind but he says be still talking to the wind like a person calm then he says be still to the water and it's calm John MacArthur said if you study the Greek word that Luke uses, who is a doctor, it means supreme calm, the ultimate calm. Calm is a pond. Isn't that amazing? Just like that. Who's sovereign over your storm? Jesus is. Who are you going to look to during your storm? Yourself, other people, or Jesus? I think I'd go to Jesus. Isn't it amazing how storms make us doubt though who Jesus is? Remember John the Baptist? When Jesus came on the scene, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then he baptized Jesus. And then a storm came and he was in prison. Notice this picture on the screen. This is where John the Baptist was. That's the prison outside of God's land. Herod put him there. Right there. Now think about that picture I showed you of Galilee. That's where Jesus was. And here's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in, is in prison for serving Jesus. And they say, we'll probably cut your head off, John. Guess who comes to see him? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody comes to see John. Jesus did. John said to his disciples, will you all go to Jesus and say this, are you the one? Talk about doubting. If John the Baptist doubts, it'll cause us maybe to doubt a little bit too. John the Baptist said, "Are are you really him? I mean, I'm in prison here. You know when John got out of prison? With his head on a platter. That's when he got out. Now go back to the verse, Michael. Notice Jesus gets up, and the disciples are kind of like, John, Are are you him? And then Jesus says, stop. The wind stopped. Stop. And the water stopped like that. That calm. Notice what they do. They were so scared. Why are they scared? Because they finally understand that He's God. See, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he called a curse down on himself. He said, I can't be here. I'm a man of unclean lips. When John saw him on the Isle of Patmos, he fell down as a dead man. Ezekiel did the same thing. Daniel said, I can't be in your presence. Peter said, Lord, I can't be in your presence when he understood who he was. Isn't it amazing? That's why the Bible says that on judgment day for a lost person... You may be a lot of talking down here, but it says on that day when you stand before Jesus at the great white throne, there will be no words said. I'm amazed at the number of preachers that say, Jesus appeared to me in my bedroom. No, he didn't. Or you wouldn't be standing up, he'd be falling down like a dead man. See the disciples for the first time realized who Jesus was, who he was. And the Bible says they were exceedingly afraid to be in his presence because they understood they were in the presence of sovereignty and holiness. See, God saves a broken and contrite heart. He says, I desire that more than your offerings and more than your slaughtering of lambs and bulls and goats. Give me your broken and contrite heart, and then I'll save you. See, they had to get to this point before they could say, Jesus, I need help. There's a, there's a, a video clip, and this one's about eight minutes long by a man by the name of David Gibbs. Many of you have seen it on, on, uh, on social media. A buddy of mine who pastors a church, whom I have great respect in, he shared it with, with uh, on his page. And it's, he's a lawyer, right? And he talks about that he goes on a plane ride, and I want you just to listen. To this it's eight minutes, but it's so good. David Gibbs is also not just a lawyer, but he's a really good preacher. I heard one of his messages this week. He's a really good preacher. But listen to this story. He talks about the storm and what the air traffic controller tells him. If you'll play that real quick, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. The lawsuit.
4: We're way out in the Aleutian Islands getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home and I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane the pastor came up and he said listen I can save you money I said how's that he said I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket and this did not sound I said gee thank you so very very much but I've got this ticket, we'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you gotta do it, you gotta do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane and I looked at it and I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it, we got in, he's on the left front, I'm on the right front, the other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling, and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, Come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now, we we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, We're dead, aren't we? I said, There's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, What are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, Start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, Hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello and somebody answered back hello hello don't you guys know proper radio etiquette and i said give me i said tell, we don't know nothing tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane the guy said i'm a freighter flying out of anchorage on the way to tokyo and he said you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you I said tell him that's correct now you gotta understand i am sweating bullets he said the first thing i'm gonna do is start circling so i don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you and Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot and those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice is that reasonable you see I understood without his voice I had nothing and do you understand without God's voice you have nothing nothing finally he got us turned and he said I'm freezing all the traffic in the area he said it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage you're in for a rough ride and he said i want you to hear me i don't want you to look at what's going on outside i don't want you to pay attention to the storm just my voice he said if you start watching the storm you will die but i'll take you through it now because they cleared all the traffic several pilots those nighttime freighters those 0747 started talking to us they said we're praying for you men You're gonna make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. (laughs) Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. To knock at my door. and I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice you're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God. Who has promised to take you through a living sacrifice, holy.
1: I'm going to ask your musicians to come, if you will stand in the quietness of this moment, if you will. I'm going to encourage you to uh, come and pray this morning and get your eyes off the storm. It's hard, isn't it? Very hard. All the voices that we hear, sometimes they're our own voices, right? Right? Jesus told his disciples, we're going to the other side. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe it? You have an opportunity this morning to listen to the Holy Spirit, speak to your heart, and come this morning and say, God, I can't handle this storm. Can't do it. Can't do it. But I know you can. And God, I'm giving my storm and where I'm at to you. I'm tired of bailing water. I'm tired of trying to sail my ship my own ways. And Lord, I'm going to listen to you and to your voice. So after I pray, this altar's open this morning for you to respond. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have a Savior. You're your only help during the storms of life. And I would encourage you today to give your life to Jesus. Amen. Give your life to Jesus. Father. As we come to you in prayer. Lord, so many people are hurting today. And Lord, you're the answer. Your presence never left these disciples. Your power was always available. And your promises were true from the first time they stepped in a boat to the boat landed. Father, help us to get our eyes off the storm and onto our Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. every I close just say Jesus I trust you through the storms of my life Jesus I relinquish control of my life and I give this storm to you and I ask for your help I believe in your promises I believe in your presence and I believe in your power to help me through the storm you may be here today never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and this is your prayer Jesus today I give my life to you I believe in you for the first time in my life. I truly believe in you and I surrender my life to you today. And I ask you to save me and change my life to be my Lord and Savior. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We're so thankful, Jesus, for your promises. We're so thankful for your presence. Jesus, I pray that many in our church today would experience your power. Lord, some things, Lord, many things in the storm are out of our control. We just can't help it. But Lord, we pray that you'd intervene. Lord, why do I go through the storm? It's a test of our faith. It's a test of our prayer life. It's a test of our salvation. Lord, when we come through it, we're different people for your honor and for your glory. Lord, use the storms of life to conform us into your image and make us who we are today and who you'd have us to be, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're gonna serve in VBS, All the uh, information about that is in your bulletin. Uh, Please be praying for VBS this week, and please invite people to come. God bless you, and you're dismissed. Thank you very much.